Hello, one and all, and we and welcome uh, to the Media Beat episode forty-two with me, Oliver Turnbull, your host on the media podcast that is gaining traction all over the world. Fifty countries are tuning in now, and we're getting great feedback as well. Thank you so much. Keep your ideas flooding in. I am joined, as always, by the head of the media practice at Arthur D. Little, the world's oldest management consultancy. Her name is Maureen Kerr. Hello, Maureen. Hello, Oliver. And as ever, your friend, my friend, everyone's friend, Claire Tavernier. She is a media commentator of many decades standing, although she doesn't look old enough to be. Uh, she has held down high profile positions in media companies that you will have heard of. She now offers advice to media companies and she also does interim roles at senior levels in those companies. It is my pleasure as ever to say bonjour. Hello, Claire. Hello, Oliver. Hello, Maureen. Hello, everyone. And of course, uh, she's French, by the way, which is why I just slipped into uh, my second language, which is, of course, um, O-level conversational French. So <laughs> we have, as the two Ronnies used to say, old 70s reference there for UK listeners, a packed show uh, today. And um, yes, just a couple of the highlights, actually, uh, to keep you tuned. We'll be talking about the um, results that have come out from Meta, Alphabet, Netflix, etc. We'll be talking deep fakes. We'll be talking UMG. We will be talking, how do you win an Oscar? Yes, that's right. Our top tips for you, ordinary person, uh, to win an Oscar and why it might be good for you. We'll talk about uh, Reddit. We'll talk about big tech hearings, uh, Apple's European challenges, women's football, all sorts of things. And at the end, if you're good, Claire has a exciting reveal an exciting personal reveal and uh shall i tell you what it is no i shall not leave it till the end of the podcast okay strap <laughs> yourselves in ready to go and our deep dive uh, this week is uh, maureen maureen is going to lead this one um it's a business type one so uh, you'd expect maureen to have a lot of deep insights so uh, results have come out meta Alphabet, Netflix, etc. Maureen, please, could you um, give us the headlines and your world-famous analysis? Maureen. <laughs> Thanks, Oliver. That's a nice setup. Um, yeah, so the much-awaited uh, results of um, Alphabet, or as, as we kind of like uh, call it, uh, Google, but of course Alphabet is the, the parent company, uh, and Meta, uh, and of course uh, Netflix. Netflix um, did uh, come out with its uh, Q4 uh, results, but I think sort of you know slightly went under the radar. But uh, anyway, suffice to say, I will give you a little bit of analysis and start to unpack what were very good and very interesting uh, and very strong uh, results uh, from both Alphabet and Meta. Now, interestingly, though, um, uh, uh, well, I don't know. Well, let's see why. Uh, but Alphabet did not uh, get the sort of reception that it thought it ought to have, you know, from the uh, Wall Street, from, from the city, which is interesting, even though it had to the tune of, you know, double digits, about 13, 14% uh, revenue growth. Um, and, and here we're talking about sort of, you know, strong advertising uh, um, supported uh, revenue growth. Uh, but both uh, Meta and um, uh, Google Alphabet saw, saw excellent, we, in our view, excellent double digit growth um and meta was uh stock price uh, shot up um yeah uh, alphabet was penalized and was down somewhat sort of 10 percent plus uh, i know actually saw seven seven eight percent plus um uh, in, in in the stock market so so heavily penalized um but when you start to unpack the results uh you see though that there's some fundamentals which are really strong and really good 
for Google. Um, so let's just 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 go into a little bit more detail. So so Meta Meta was up uh, almost twenty five percent year on year. Um, now Meta also um, maybe we'd kind of like hadn't really thought about this, but Meta for the first time, um, which is shows the strength of its profitability, issued a dividend to its uh, to its stockholders, which is quite significant in itself. Um, and I can't get into all the sort of shenanigans about that, but nonetheless, it's a really good signal to say that they're they're feeling very very comfortable uh, with profitability and cash flows going forward. But let's unpack what the um, what the fundamentals were with respect to the growth in revenue. So for Meta, and as we call it, the sort of the family of apps. So Meta, Facebook, um, Instagram, um, you know, uh, and and the others uh, are very showing some very very strong results. But but more importantly, uh, we're talking about ad growth and the ad business. We saw a lot of really interesting feedback um, and strength of customers sort of looking to Meta that's providing a lot of good marketing data, and that's really really key, I think, for the uh, for the industry as a whole. As a whole, um, we saw also that there's some really interesting um, AI driven um, scaling type products that were uh, clearly sort of uh, providing sufficient and information, good information, automated ad creation processes put in place. And more importantly, um, there was really this, this, this good engagement of messaging around uh, certainly good momentum on the ad side uh, for Meta. And so I think that's why the city uh, has really responded quite nicely uh, to Meta. And that's why the stock price did shoot up quite significantly. And as I say, sort of over over 20 percent. So its market cap increased by by some 200 billion. I mean, extraordinary, <laughs> extraordinary numbers that like, still don't still don't sort of resonate with me. Um, and of course, Alphabet, uh, Google lost, you know, uh, somewhat over 100 billion. It's, it's just just a staggering numbers. But again, let's go back to what, what why then Google um, was penalized by, by the city. Um, and this is all about, and as we discussed a, a few episodes uh, before, um, pricing in stock is all about expectations and management setting those expectations. So even though the revenue was over 10, 10% uh, growth, uh, we did see expectations uh, not being achieved. Um, and so the acceleration of the growth for Google had slowed down considerably. And that's what why they were penalized. Um, but again, look, look, what's 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 going on with Google? Google Google search is still doing extremely well. Again, above 10% growth. YouTube is just the elephant in the room that everyone fears is doing a stonkingly good. Uh, there's a stonkingly good performance there. And again, we can sort of touch on that um, in a minute. Um, but what really is not working is the sort of the network side. And that is decelerated. And that's why they're being penalized. Contrast that with, say, Meta, and there's some surprising um, trend information around Meta and what, where where Meta is strong. Um, China's advertisers are just just going gung ho, um, and um, that's where I think they're really sort of you know boosted a lot of significant sort of ad, ad revenue in 2023. Um, regionally, still doing doing pretty strong and um, pretty well. But let's just look again again at sort of um, uh, Google, where I think the city has unfairly penalized uh, Google because uh, I, I, I'm very much bullish on YouTube. YouTube is doing extremely well. Now we know that YouTube has got almost, in terms of subscriptions, over 15 billion annualized revenues. So that's pretty strong. And we know also that you know um, people are flocking to YouTube from their devices to their TV set. So we've got 
really, really strong connected TV um, uh, revenue starting to sort of flow through because the audiences are there moving from devices, YouTube, mobile devices uh, to connected TV. So we're seeing, I think, a really nice momentum there on the streaming side. And I think advertisers will feel and brands will feel pretty, pretty good about that. And hence reason sort of moving their advertising dollars in that direction. Um, so over, all in all, and, I, and, and, I'll, and I'll stop because I, I need to sort of just capture what we think about Meta and Google, and then I'll go on to, on to Netflix. But the, I think the biggest thing that's coming through as well is their investment and the capex that's being spent more broadly in both Meta and Google to really underpin efficiencies, automation and some really interesting infrastructure, um, either in a sort of closed Google environment or a Meta open source environment. So the, uh, this idea of AI optimization tools, uh, really interesting advertising platforms for its uh, its customers. I think that really is underpinning real strong confidence in both of those companies. Um, if we flip to quickly Netflix. Now, Netflix, I just think, is the darling of them all. And this, these results were very much the, uh, the Q4. Um, Q4 results were blockbuster in terms of net subscribers. So we saw, you know, 13 million added 13 million net subscribers to their numbers, which means it takes, takes them over to about 260 million. Revenue growth was extraordinarily strong. Again, double digits year on year, over, over 12%. And really, I think the, the crackdown, the crackdown and the password sharing, we're really starting to see the fruits of that, you know, with price hikes as well. And of course, they add supported tiers. So I think more importantly, though, where, where I think Netflix is, is sharing its might is in its content strategies and its content deals and negotiations. And as we know and we heard, uh, they just did a phenomenal deal, a 10-year deal for WWE, so the wrestling. Um, and we know that wrestling is really all year long. You know, they're not playing Netflix, and we've always said this, Netflix is not playing in the sports environment uh, where they're fighting for seasonal-based uh, sports. They want to get into sports, but they're doing it extraordinarily cleverly through a content a content way. And that is, all year round, everyone loves wrestling. You know, there's no off-season or on-season. So they've actually decided to put down a $5 billion deal over 10 years with WWE. Now, that, that $5 billion is maybe $2 billion short of what they could have and maybe everyone speculated they might have paid for a Paramount, you know, uh, from a content perspective. But instead, they're investing in a really extraordinarily interesting way, sports and content and all year round. So I, I think the Netflix um, uh, results, again, looking extremely strong. One thing, though, that we should consider, and I love this quote, is that uh, uh, Sarandos is coming out saying, don't forget, I'm already number two. We're number two uh, market player in the world. You know, of course, number one is YouTube. And I think why they're saying that is to really step, keep, 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 keep the regulators at bay. Um, because, of course, there was speculation that maybe Netflix, with its nice cash flow, could spend money on acquisitions, i.e. Paramount. Or they could just keep deep, deep, deepening their, uh, uh, let's say, content bucket uh, and spending the content bucket on very smart deals. And my sense is you can, we're going to see a bit of M&A and we're going to also see a bit of, um, but in very selective strategic acquisitions, or we're going to see some fantastic licensing deals, you know, similar to um, 
in AWWE. So, so I will now. I did say and did promise I would stop uh, uh, two seconds ago, but uh, I'll I'll pause there, and that gives you kind of an an overall an overall an overarching sort of view of Meta uh, and Google, and a little bit of pepper pepper that with a little bit of Netflix. Um, um, but Claire, I mean, what were your views on on the results as they came through? Wow, that was amazing, Maureen. So much information. Uh, it's going to be very hard to, to add anything to that because that was so comprehensive. Let me try to add just a, a, a tiny bit of maybe slightly different perspective. I, I can't pretend to understand the earnings as well as you do, and, and you did such a brilliant job. One thing struck me on the meta uh in, and the meta results there, as you said, their, um, their revenues grew by 25%. Their headcounts went down by 22% year on year. It's, it's picking back up again. But, you know, we, we talked about the layoffs in the industry. And isn't it interesting that they managed to do these two things in parallel? I think that's also something that the market noticed and, and rewarded in a way. And we have said that the market was looking for efficiencies and for signs that, you know, the, the investments were proportionate to, to the growth. And in this case, they're actually inversely proportionate. Uh, so a, a very interesting thing. The other thing I noticed on Meta is that the, the multiverse, not the multiverse, the metaverse, which one is it? The metaverse. Metaverse, the metaverse is starting to, or certainly they are, um, they are talking about the fact that it's starting to generate revenues, Still, I'm still slightly skeptical on this, but this is the first time that they're talking about it as something that is actually contributing significantly, in fact, to the bottom line. Um, and then in terms of the sort of slightly disappointing reaction to, to the Google Alphabet results, uh, yes, they missed their estimates. And this goes back to something you've said very often, Maureen, you have to manage the market. You have to give them what they expect, not lower, not higher, what they expect, because that's what they want. And they didn't quite do that. I also think they, their storytelling around AI, they missed the mark a little bit. They could have spun it. They decided, and maybe, maybe it's a strategy. Maybe they've decided to underplay it so they can come out and and be amazing, and then again, you know, impress everybody. But they un they underplayed it, and the resulting sort of reaction in the market is a bit of worry that Gen I could actually be quite damaging to the search business in particular, which is such a big part of of their revenues. So, um, whether it's a long term strategy, which was the generous way of looking at it, or whether it's a miss from their communication department, I do think the way they told that story was. Uh, was not they didn't sell it in a in perhaps the most convincing way specifically around AI, so that's that's on those two. On Netflix, I'll just add, I mean they obviously had brilliant results. It was everywhere. This is the moment. The, the the narrative around this was very much despite their claim that YouTube not claim the reality that YouTube is in fact a much bigger streaming platform than Netflix. That you know there is one winner in this game, and it is Netflix. Everybody else is second tier. I mean, this was very much just sort of the the, the, the takeaway from everybody after these very impressive results. One thing I noticed is in parallel, uh, Nielsen uh, pulled out their biggest, the the biggest or the most viewed streamed shows in 2023, and most of the top ten, I think, most viewed stream shows on Netflix aren't Netflix originals. They're actually fairly old shows. So number one uh, is by, by quite a margin is Suits, 
which is not a new show and has had, you know, has benefited from the Netflix effect and perhaps slightly from the Meghan Markle effect and has had a sort of complete revival. But that was the most streamed show in 2023. And then later on, you've got NCIS, similarly, not really a new show, a licensed show, Grey's Anatomy is huge. Coco Melon, which is a kids show, is huge. And then you got you get Gilmore Girls, you get Friends, you get Big Bang Theory. And then the only the sort of the, the 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 first most watched streaming original series of the year it wasn't even on Netflix. It was Ted Lasso, and it was on Apple TV, and that wasn't in the top ten. So I think it's it's uh, I mean the, that top the top ten includes all streaming content, including off Netflix. So it's not just Netflix, but I think it's a reminder that yes, Netflix continues to invest in these big shows. But actually, most of the content viewed on the platform is not the big show. It's the library stuff. It's the licensed content. And, and they know this. And they've, they've, they've actively renewed a lot of licensing deals. And actually, a lot of content providers, including some that have their own streaming platforms, are also renewing licensing deals with Netflix in this, in this current climate. So uh, I thought that was, that was an interesting finding around Netflix. But I'll stop there. Uh, because we're running out of time for all the other stuff we have to talk about. Uh. Agree, agree but, but, but I think you make some really interesting points. And, and I think I agree with you in terms of Google. Um, you know, the city, I think, still doesn't understand um, what Google is doing with, with, with AI. And, and, and I agree with you. I think they just feel as if AI it will cannibalize search for Google, where it's not. It's going to complement it. And I think Bard in particular will complement search. So, and and I think I think with Google they've got the Gemini um, offering, and and I think that is expanding across into you know forty languages, two hundred thirty countries. I think Google though is just missing out on the promotion of that, and they're not getting in front of uh, the city and the analysts. I think because of OpenAI has got so Microsoft has got so much publicity and discussion. Uh, then they need to sort of really elbow that those out and start to really promote their their offerings. But from a B two B perspective, I think they've got some really interesting solutions. Um, they're just staying, I think, a little too shy and a little too quiet about that. Uh, but 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 I agree with you. Um, and 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 you're absolutely right. It's the first time I've seen. I was on I was on um, a a panel uh, last uh, last week. And uh, at that particular conference, it was uh, the video on demand, OTT. Uh, there was an individual there, Cyrus, uh, who heads up the virtual reality um, division for Meta. And it's the first time I'd heard for a long time, you know, the metaverse being discussed again. And, and he did it in the, 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 through the sort of lenses of Quest and the different versions of now Quest. And so I think they were heavily pushing Quest and the Horizon pro products. And the way he was describing Quest was, wow, I, you know, I kind of want to get in there. And I'm sure, Claire, that this is something that you'll be interested <laughs> in as well. Um, but I, I think the metaverse and virtual reality is coming back round. I think they're, they're downplaying the words metaverse, weirdly, um, but they are certainly promoting the product offering and the devices that, that come with that. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I'm also conscious that we've got a lot to get through. So I will, I will, we do. I will pause. And... Back to you, Mr. Moderator. Well, Oliver, keep you. us in check. You remind me of Mr. Motivator, uh, the gentleman from the 80s and 90s who would uh, give, keep fit on the breakfast show. But I'm Mr. Moderator, someone slightly more, um, well, 
boring really but anyway thank you very much what a broad and deep, that was a classic that was a classic in my view broad and deep loads of stuff to get through thanks very much indeed uh, for leading that maureen and contributing so well claire uh, interesting stuff but we have to move on because now it's time for in the news okay for the first story i'm going to go to claire and it's uh, yeah it's disturbing depressing story but one we can't avoid really because it's going to be something that's going to live with us for a while something that we're going to have to live with for a while particularly um, high profile females uh, Taylor Swift the latest victim so uh, deep fakes and Taylor Swift um, Claire you have that story yes it's it's not high profile um, females only there was and in fact I've been following that story because I've uh, I was I watched a very disturbing but also very interesting documentary called Another Body, which talks about uh, two young women, completely normal, could be anyone, could be any of our daughters, which is obviously the place where your brain goes, uh, who uh, discovered by accident that their face had been superimposed using artificial intelligence on porn videos in a way that made it very, very realistic this isn't just a photo hanging around. This is this is uh, her. She's making noises. She's moving her lips. It looks like it's her, and that those videos were available widely available on on specialized sites, and included their name and the city they lived in and the school they went to. And those two ladies. It's 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 an terrifying documentary i have to say but also really really interesting and i recommend it very highly these two young women went uh off to try and stop it and to get the first of all find the person who who'd done it which turned out to be very very difficult and secondly try to get them arrested or convicted and this is where the, the taylor swift story comes in because what they discovered was that what they were doing in most cases wasn't actually illegal there wasn't a law against it. There was a loophole because it wasn't their body. And so they, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't sharing non-consensual videos of them. They were using, the people using the pictures were using pictures that were available on social media and therefore were out there. And there wasn't, um, there wasn't a, a legal framework to say this isn't all right. Of course, that happens a lot with celebrities and they have even more pictures out there, but it's not just celebrities. It's, it's, incredibly terrifying for lots of people and the 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 documentary ends by saying that (laughs) this is really depressing that 99 percent of of deep fake videos made uh, created with ai are fake porn videos which just tells you a lot about our society i guess but uh the the great news not for Taylor Swift, but the good news is this happened to Taylor Swift and it was very widely circulated on X, formerly Twitter. And because it's Taylor Swift, she and her army of fans and lawyers and people uh, who, you know, support her were able to bring this subject to the fore. And it looks like legislation, certainly in the US, because this is also an international problem, but the legislation in the US will change and this will become illegal. And therefore the people who do this will, at least when they're found again, because it's not always easy, can be prosecuted and there'll be legal uh, consequences to doing it, which is a brilliant step forward. And it's really, I think, great news that uh, her, her celebrity was able to do this, but it's obviously very sad that that's what it took and that she had to go through it. So 
a very terrifying and, and dark use of technology and a reminder that it's not all roses and sunshine, Gen, Gen AI. Hmm. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Claire. And uh, again, uh, something that we're going to have to contend with. What a uh, hideous thing. And uh, the, the, it's hideous in itself, but the fact that you can't control it or do anything about it makes it even more hideous. Okay, uh, next up we have uh, UMG, Universal Music Group, and TikTok. Uh, Maureen, our roving reporter, uh, you are outside UMG headquarters with that story. Maureen. Yeah, I think uh, exactly. I love that. I love that. I just imagine myself along the canals, but uh, I, I probably misremembered if uh, UMG is in Paddington or not. But uh, nonetheless, uh, um, I think that's probably BMG. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so, so this is this is groundbreaking stuff, and this is sort of you know again on the dovetails of, uh, of of what Claire's been talking about in terms of generative AI and AI, more broadly speaking, um, but also use, fair use, and also copyright issues. So um, and comp fair compensation. So the UMG has come out um, and said that they are not going to renew uh, their agreement with TikTok. Um, back in 2021, they put in place an agreement with TikTok for TikTok users to be allowed to, you know, use uh, um, uh, some of the, uh, the music labels, artists' music. Um, and, that, and that agreement was, uh, you know, well established. And of course, as you know, as we all know, uh, all of the labels, the big labels, have done some really interesting deals and good deals with all the social media platforms. Uh, but what uh, UMG have come out and said in an open letter as well uh, for the public, it's up on their website, is that, yeah, look, TikTok, you're just not paying us the right amount of money in compensation for these these artists. Um, and uh, and we think it's unfair. And actually, if you do not uh, then renegotiate on better terms, as 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 the industry shows with other platforms, uh, we will start to take down all of the music, uh, and I insist on taking down all of the music. So so if you now go to TikTok, a lot of music has just sort of evaporated. And I've got a stat here that said uh, says something like um, uh, it's affecting 21 of the tracks on TikTok's Billboard Top 50 chart. Uh, so it's really having an, a, an impact. Uh, and this started to kick in as of last Thursday. So we're, we're sort of Monday now. And I think the dispute is still um, ongoing. Um, it's, uh, it's it, I, 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 you know, it is the news. It's what is in the news. But it's really interesting the way UMG has come out and really with an open letter, a call to the industry to say, we've got to stop this. We've got to stop it. You know, we've got to take control over AI. We've got to take control over compensation for the artists uh, and, and, and also infringe, infringement of works. Uh, and I think that's that's key here. So, yeah, big thing, big thing for the labels and, uh, you know, almost, you know, kudos to the, to the labels. Um, you know, we're closely monitoring this to see how it will pan out. Um, but good one. Yeah. What are your views, uh, Claire? Well, I it's just I think it's it it's a very it's interesting because it reminds me of the Disney Charter dispute that we also covered. You know, I think people are getting more aggressive in their negotiation tactics and are are no longer just threatening to take things off, but are doing it for a while just to show. And as you say, UMG is is, um, is enormous, and you know, almost half of the top fifty of TikTok just gone like that is a pretty is a pretty strong measure. So it'll be really interesting to see. To see what happens, but it it sort of feels like those players, you know, flexing their muscles and saying, "Listen, you still need us. 
you know, don't don't think we need you more than you need us, which is very interesting. Well, we love those kind of battles, don't we? Uh, uh, um, irresistible force, immovable object kind of things. Let's see how the arm wrestle progresses over the coming months. Thank you, Maureen. And finally, uh, in this section, how to win an Oscar. Claire, you have that story. Yeah, it's it's a. I thought that was a very interesting story that that's been sort of peppered in, into the specialist news recently as the the Oscar nominations were announced. I think we discussed them last time, and perhaps slightly surprisingly, Anatomy of a Fall, which is a French movie, which wasn't even the French movie that France selected for the Oscar, but it did win the Palme d'Or uh, in in Cannes, had five nominations, and that's. I mean, it's a very good movie, but that's a lot of movies for a movie that's not even in English, uh, and um, my, not not the French selection for the movie. But it's not an accident. The movie was picked up by a distributor, an American distributor called Neon, back in Cannes. They watched it, they liked it. Now Neon is interesting because they are the people who pushed Parasite. They acquired the rights for the US of Parasite, and you will remember that Parasite, I think, was the first non-English speaking movie to win. The best, uh, the best, the Oscar for best movie, and that was again on the back of a very, very successful campaign for the Oscars by Neon. So Neon has this strategy: they go after art house movies, movies not in the English language, and then they they have a very well orchestrated, very well timed campaign, which includes in this case they they gave. Justine Trier, the, um, the, the director, they gave her uh, English lessons. They had two people with her at all times, were traveling with her. She went on a Q&A tour across the entire, uh, <laughs> maybe not the planet, but certainly the US. Uh, she uh, was um, actively pushed. The actors were actively pushed. Uh, there were events all the time. They were very, you know, she would spend two days in Los Angeles, two days in New York, become, come back to Paris, go back to the US. They spent probably at least a million dollars on this campaign. And then others, other distributors are doing the same, A24, which picked up the Zone of Interest, which is actually a British movie, but shot in German, did a similar campaign also with, with not quite as much success, but really, really good results. And why do they do this? Well, we've just had the numbers of uh, what happened after the nominations. And basically every single movie nominated for an Oscar gets a huge box office bump. So if you've bought the rights for that movie, it's really worth it. You may have spent a million in a campaign, but what you're getting is instead of going out into 30 cinemas, it's going to go out into 3,000, maybe 5,000 cinemas all across the country. And that's cash. That you, It's a return on investment. So you are investing. It doesn't always work. In this case, it worked very, very well. And you're going to get a, a big return on investment in terms of the distribution and then potentially later on in terms of licensing revenues when you're licensing to, to a streaming platform, etc. So I thought that it's interesting because you sort of assume that it's all based on the quality of the movie. And of course, you still have to have a very good movie to start with. But it's not just that. There are campaign strategies and they are very well run. You mean it's not just on the quality of the performance in the movie? There's politics angle as well. Interesting. Yes. Intriguing. Yeah. I think you need both. Yeah. I suppose that Oscar bait has been a phrase that's come in over the last few years, and it is a bit obvious. Um, and it's actually interesting as well, because Oscar bait, I mean, there they, they used to be an old way of doing Oscar campaigns, which involved, and it was mostly for American films, and it involved very famous, big name 
actors or, or, or directors going on a very pushy campaign explaining to everybody that they knew that they really, really wanted an Oscar and it was really important to them and they worked so hard and <laughs> they prepared the film for six years and they became the character and it became a sort of thing. And this year, one person did that. Bradley Cooper for Maestro. And he did it, he followed the playbook to the letter, did Bradley. Uh, he went out, he said this was the movie of a lifetime, that he'd spent six, six years pre prepping it, that this meant so much to him, etc. And actually it wasn't very well received. I mean, he did get the nominations, but this sort of general feeling was a little bit of, ugh. A bit too oh, obvious, a bit of annoyance. Too much acting. They were acting. Too much acting. And it just didn't, too, too in your face. I don't know. There was there were a lot of sort of snarky remarks about it, which I think is interesting because because he was just doing what everybody's been doing for 30 years, but that things have changed a bit and, and, and they're a little bit more, dare I say, subtle now. So I think he needs to rewrite the playbook a bit for next time. Um, I'm a fan of Bradley. He's very, very gorgeous, very funny. And he did pull it off. But yes, it was just like, please give me an Oscar in every scene. <laughs> Little twitches and bits of business. Like, oh, stop it in your nose. Put that nose, get that nose out of my face. Anyway, uh, thank you, uh, Claire. That's interesting. There's a there's a book, isn't it? How to win an Oscar. How to how to uh, how to win an Oscar. Yeah, uh, I, I can just see that. Um, fascinating stuff. Uh, three very different stories there with um, uh, yeah, uh, some bad, some good, some interesting. And that's what we want in in the news. And I'm afraid that is the end of in the news. <laughs> Wow, we have a fat chunk of Podmojis now to get through. So let us crack on. And um, I don't know who to go to first, but we've got um, our props set up. We've got our two competitors um, set up. We have got thousands to get through. So let's start. Yes. So, Claire, I'll come to you, actually. The Reddit IPO. Yes, Reddit is uh, possibly... Uh, launching an IPO in March, which is big news because it would be a really big one. It's it's and it's been a while since a major, major social media company uh, has suggested an IPO. The last one was Pinterest, and it wasn't as big as as Reddit. Reddit is is potentially enormous. It's got a certainly a absolutely uh, massive user base, and I. Personally, I'm a big fan of that platform. I think it's done really well in the sort of low-key, low-tech kind of way. And it's managed, not quite, but it has managed to sort of steer relatively clear of the worst of, you know, social media excesses. Not always and not quite, but overall, they've done a really interesting job and they are sort of coming into their power. We've talked about um, their... their um, there various spats with Google. Anyway, Podmoji. I'm putting a little ducky, a happy little ducky. Quite well, excited by happy, the Reddit. Happy duck with <laughs> look, look how happy he is. But he's got a helmet because, yeah, you know, it still some might not happen. It's just a rumor. Yes. Yeah, it seems to have come into its own, doesn't it? It's always been around, but uh, it's uh, suddenly got a high profile. I quite like it. It's quite, quite nice. You've got to be careful about some of the opinions on there, but it's okay. Uh, Maureen's put her shades. It looks fantastically cool. You look like David Byrne out of Talking Heads, another ancient <laughs> 80s reference. Um, I feel like Joe Biden. Uh, but you're about 13 decades younger. But yeah. Um, what's your pot emoji? Yeah, the Ready IPO, uh, Maureen. Yeah, I I, I I'm, I'm not. I'm not convinced by their story. I. I. I, I totally agree, with Claire. Uh, I'm not convinced by the the, the the their business story and whether or not if it be, uh, if, it, if it's sustainable enough uh, to really sort of uh, uh, get a sufficient interest in in the platform. It looks like they're only sort of selling off uh, 
ten uh, percent. Uh, but uh, but as, as Claire said, you know, they've done some extraordinary things, and the user base is so passionate. And that's me being charitable. <laughs> they're so vocal and charitable. You know, they're so vocal. Um, I, I, I think it's. Uh, I think this is, is going to be a tough one to pull off. Although the market is certainly going to be an improved market for IPOs this year. Um, valuation of ten billion. You know, and 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 you know, you'd have to look at the detail as to really how are they making money. Uh, the whole sort of, um, as I say, uh, the revenue story needs to be needs to be strong, and you need to kind of like believe it for the next three to five years. Um, and 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 you know, Pinterest Pinterest was so so, um, but just different times. So I, I'm I'm a little dark glasses, and not sure yet. Yeah, not sure. But I do dark like glasses. the platform. I do yeah, like the dark glasses. Not sure yet. That's a that's a reasonable uh, that's a reasonable one. <laughs> that's yeah. my- yeah. Okay. Good. Never understood Pinterest. It's just someone else's photo album, but maybe I've got that wrong. So uh, Byron Allen, uh, Maureen, staying with you. Byron Allen wants to buy Paramount. Uh, Paramount. That's the story. What's the Podmoji, Maureen? I mean, you, what's the story? What's what's the story? So yeah, yeah. So Paramount, as we know, is is on the market. Um, as as we kind of alluded to earlier, and, and I'm sure Claire will nod that uh, Netflix is not going to be a buyer. Uh, we we just don't know who's going to buy this and who wants it yet. But there's this guy that's come out, Byron Allen, uh, who is rumored to be thinking about it, looking at it. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I think he'll do it at a smart smart price um so yeah i'm like going yeah right okay someone's gonna buy it <laughs> Almost why, not byron? Yeah. Okay. why not byron it will be Byron's sold it will be name. sold but to whom why not byron i'll stop there I, i'm sure claire will cool. be quite uh, lucid on this one <laughs> how can you not I, uh, cool with a name like byron but anyway sorry claire go ahead <laughs> I, I think uh, actually looks quite cool. I I would uh, my Podmoji is a is a bucket of popcorn. I think that Paramount sale is going to it's a story that will run and run. There oh, are a lot of phrase. people that are rumored. Uh, whether they will want it, whether they can, where the money is going to come from, what they will have to sell. I think, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about that one for a long time. But yes, here's a new one and he's gone out very publicly in his interest, which is not always the case. So we shall see. So popcorn. Popcorn, indeed. That's a good one. I like that metaphor. Excellent. Well done. I Let's like have popcorn. a look. That's popcorn really is one. an excellent yeah. metaphor for going to run and run. Let's yeah. just have a look. Uh, 1,900, that's 1,900 in uh, American terminology, cuts. I'm assuming this is job cuts, yeah. From um, Activision and Blizzard and a new female president. That sounds like bad news, good news. Uh, Claire? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I think it's 1,899 bad news. Uh, but yes, well, you know, we, uh, Microsoft bought, they completed this, the acquisition of Activision Blizzard, what was it, a few months ago now, three months ago, four months ago. And yeah, this was always going to happen. It's a pretty big number, with 1,900 uh, cuts. Uh, Good news, I think, on the female president. Uh, she has got a name, Johanna Ferry, Paris. Uh, she sounds uh, really interesting, and I hope she can do a good job. It will, it will depend a lot on how what Microsoft lets her do. 
I mean, I feel like my Podmoji, and it's not just this one, that we know that there have been more cuts everywhere else as well, um, both in the media and the tech industry recently. So I'm just hiding my face. There's my hands over my eyes looking at all these people uh, being laid off. It's, 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 uh, it's still fairly bloody um, at the moment out there. And you shared a URL called HTTPS, so it's secure, colon slash slash layoffs dot FYI uh, forward slash, which I'm just trying to have a look at, but it won't load anyway. So, oh, there we go. Well, Gosh, it says that in loaded. 2024, it's already got 32,000 oh, wow. employees laid off in the in yeah. the TMT sector, in the tech and media sector, which is a lot of money, a lot of people, uh, and uh, you know, follows a trend that was established already last year. But which, which um, was eleven hundred and ninety yeah. tech companies with layoffs of two hundred and sixty-two thousand seven hundred and thirty-five. Wow, yeah. Maureen. I think. Well, I, I, as as Claire says, there's there's some inevitability that. You know, you, you, you have what they call synergies when you put two businesses together or you acquire another business, there's going to be some duplication in certain areas. And I think that's probably a function of that. So you kind of you hope that jobs are kept and they're just reallocated <laughs> uh, rather than their real cuts. But this is in as, as, as Claire sort of alludes to, you know, in, in this moment where a lot of people are being and are laid off and we hope they can pick up jobs elsewhere so it's a but but the but interesting thing is um i mean i i don't i don't know her fairies so i think it's fantastic to see um you know a prominent woman you know again at the helm of of, of a larger organization so i think i kudos to her um i'm sure we'll hear more about her as we as we go forward but yeah, yeah. Could I nice. trouble you Good. for a podmoji or just oh we've Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to put you in a tough spot. Uh, uh, and you just plug. oh heart, a blue heart. Plug. Oh, it's a plug. It looked like a heart. A plug. Is that because plug. you've got a plug handy? To, um, plug in. Plug in. No, yeah, oh, okay. Okay. Just, I just no, come I from it. my travels, but I right. actually think maybe it's apt for 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 a plug in for a plug in. Yeah. No, <laughs> I see. I sort of see. I'm sort of a third of the way to see where you're coming from there. But lovely good old uh, adapter plug there as a metaphor for uh, layoffs and a new female president of, uh, of, of two companies coming together. Um, so that's good. So uh, big tech hearings. Uh, Maureen, let's stay with you. Podmoji, please. Oh, um, quizzical. It's always quizzical. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, you do quizzical. look quizzical. You've pulled that off, I have I to say. Quizzical. That's mine. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Claire? Oh, I if I was uh, if I had something to represent a thespian, oh, I would yes. use it. I thought it was quite performative. Uh, oh, I get. I just fine. Whatever. What will come out of it? There were there were other hearings a, a year ago. I mean, it's good that those things are being talked about, but I'm not entirely sure anything will follow through. To be honest with you. Well, I um, have to say I have trodden the boards in the past, as you can imagine. So if you ever need a thespian, Claire, please call on me. <laughs> um, yeah, my apology is Oliver. Excellent. Yes, no, I'll take that. Uh, it's been a while coming, but uh, thank you so much. Uh, I get it. So, Claire, uh, with you, yes, Apple's European changes probably needs a bit of explanation as well as the Podmoji. 
Well, the, uh, this is Apple performatively uh, applying the rules that the EU is trying to make them apply, which is to open up to other app stores, but making it, doing it in a way that makes it very difficult for anybody to use any other app store. So they are on paper doing what they are required to do by the EU. They are saying this is the this is red tape and bureaucracy and everything. Uh, yeah, what can I? It's good. I, I'm always impressed when the EU manages to make those horrible, you know, we've talked about performative hearings, at least they're getting them to do something, whether it's going to change the world, I'm not sure, but there there is pressure on big tech coming from the European Union, for sure. So my podmoji is thumbs up to the EU. There you go. Yeah. Well, Some red tape isn't necessarily a bad thing. You're pushing at an open door in, in uh, Britain, famously a uh, massive supporter of the EU. <laughs> I um, know, I know. <laughs> Maureen, over to you. Um, what, I, I, th- I thought that was my quizzical look. My quizzical look for the... <laughs> oh, no, uh, well, we've got uh, Big Tech Hearings yeah, is quizzical. Quizzic- you can still be quizzical for asking uh, European changes. Sort of, e- e- European Union and, 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 and really just trying to navigate the sort of how to enforce regulations is really tricky and quizzical <laughs> from my perspective so i think i think claire said it all i'm very much aligned with claire on on that stuff yeah kudos when they get it right usually i think the legal environment regulatory environment follows a long way you know after 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 the business yeah so tr- tricky and tricky and quizzical um they are two yeah. of the media dwarves uh, two of the same. Yeah. Never mind. Um, okay, so let's go on to uh, women's football. Ooh, women's football on the up. Hurrah, uh, Maureen. Starting with you. Yeah, uh, uh, women, <laughs> women's football. I mean, like if I could, I just like balance a ball. But the only ball in my room at the moment is 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 uh, is a basketball. So I can't balance uh, uh, that. So I would I would uh, I would say. Hey, yes, everyone is supporting women's football. So good old, good old kudos to BBC. That's my view. And I'll be balancing a ball, but it's the, it's the basketball. But I could get that if you like, just for theatrical impact as Claire no, starts we can, to we can use be, give a more serious view, serious view on, on, on the BBC picking up women's football. So, but here's my ball. Oh, uh, <laughs> for the record, has gone and, up. Uh, has got a... But it is a basketball. basketball. Either that or she's got a very small head. Very impressive. Very nice basketball, that's for sure. Oh, she yes, looks very, very pro. Uh, <laughs> listen, I I think this is a, a case of uh, David versus Goliath a little bit, but I guess David has grown a little bit. You know, yes, 61% on average increase in revenues for women's football clubs in about the top, ten, the top 15 women's football club in Europe. So, uh, yay. Interestingly, not from not from broadcast deals in their case, but more from uh, other sources of revenues, which is very different from the men's game. Still very, very small compared to the men's football leagues, but, you know, a little bit less small. So I think I wanted to... My point my is a tiny little Claire jumping up and down, trying to get bigger. Yay. Yeah. So, yay! Yeah, and the basketball waving hey. around great very animated lovely yeah. yep good on them uh, may that increase now friend of the show i don't think you'd call him friend of the show quite a, a bit of a competitor of the show actually joe rogan oh. um, it's a little bit like if joe rogan was the premiership then uh yeah no we would be then the, we're, we're the women's football <laughs> 
thankfully, thankfully for the women's football, they're a bit bigger than us still. Uh, yeah. So we talk- Come on, Joe, we're coming for you. Uh, yeah, Claire, staying with you, what's your pop emoji? There's a little bit of background to this as well, isn't there, really, about the economics of um, podcasting? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so Spotify has re-signed a deal with Joe Rogan for $250 million. Where's our $250 million, Spotify? Uh, but... <laughs> It's the but the interesting thing is they're not going to keep it on only on their platform. They're going to start syndicating it, and I think that's that actually ties back quite nicely to what we were talking about with Netflix at the beginning of the story. I think where we went as the platforms tried to launch, we went into a sort of walled garden environment where exclusivity was the name of the game, and now we're moving away from that. We're moving away from that on Netflix and uh, other uh, video content providers, and Spotify is moving away from that for podcast. They are going to be uh, distributing and monetizing uh, Joe Rogan on many other platforms, including YouTube. So I guess, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure what I feel about this. I'm going to go, this time I'm going with a quizzical look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, yeah as a man, it's hard to understand what uh, about Joe Rogan's appeal. So, sometimes it's interesting and he makes, and he makes sense. Uh, and sometimes mm. you think, oh, you're just a... Restless standard comedian yeah. podcaster, uh, Maureen. I, yeah, I guess. It, I guess if you take sort of Joe Rogan out of the equation, it could be any sort of personality. I, I mean, I actually think this is a, it's amazing how now how quickly Spotify has reacted to podcasts not working in a, in a in a sort of walled garden environment. And you know, as we know, they laid off a lot of people. They've not been making money, so this is their reaction to that. And I think they've responded very quickly and very sensibly. So the whole monetization strategy of really sort of opening it up and not being exclusive and just going everywhere including youtube i think that's a smart one so i'm i'm a i'm a kind of yeah 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 good good shake my head good i i really think we should go on youtube you know we're we're, we're so nice looking i think i think we've got all very appealing <laughs> faces between us uh but oh. anyway and uh, never mind. Yeah, I'll, I'll pursue yeah, we, we, will. we will. We just need to. We will. I just need to tidy up my desk behind me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just have my office redecorated, so now's the time to go. Yeah. Claire, did we get and a pop emoji from you? I need to. Is it quizzical? My pop pop emoji was. Oh yeah, so Claire was that. Yeah. I stole. I Answer. stole Maureen's pop emoji. Yes, yes, yes. I got it. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Syndication. Yes, we need to be on more platforms. With, uh, I mean, what is it? it's a waste of our the way we look. Um, right yeah, now, I just need to buy. I need to buy an equally good lipstick, uh, like uh, like like Claire's, because Claire's lipstick is always beautiful. So I need to go. Yeah, we've had a good I need lipstick. to get the weekend and get myself a makeover so they can find. Yeah, the best and you know, let's. I think we need to be gender neutral. And Oliver, I will also buy you a new lipstick. Yeah, oh, exactly. I'm not averse to that. No, I, having <laughs> no. Uh, my daughter and her friends used to make me up regularly. And actually, with a bit of makeup on, I look uh, revolting. So um, let's, let's, let's not bother <laughs> that now. But I do, yeah, I do, I do enjoy that. I do like, like exploring my feminine side. Nothing wrong with that. So uh, that's good. We've got to the end, but almost we have one uh, revelation that most listeners, listeners will have um, stayed on to, uh, to hear. I think, I, I, I guess, Claire, it, it only remains for you to reveal this life-changing 
uh, event that is happening to you. Um, so over to you. Oh, I think it's you built it up too much. But this made me laugh because I knew I knew Maureen would have the green pot mudri in her back pocket when I said that. But I'm going to New York next week for various reasons, and I've actually got tickets to go and to watch a taping of the Seth Meyers show, <gasps> late night show. <gasps> Which I know, it's very exciting. Which is actually quite easy to get. I have learned because you just have to go on the website and apply for them, and I did get them. And so I'm excited because I'm a big fan. And actually, I watched his uh, Netflix special, just a bit of a plug to get ready, uh, which is very good. And I recommend it. I had a good laugh. So I'm very excited by this. I'll be taking pictures, Maureen, and oh. sending them to you. I'll um, yeah, I'll do a I'll do a live stream of it. But no, it's exciting. I'm I'm very I'm very excited. Bye-bye.